1: Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 687 with Naz Maheshti. Naz has got some excellent tips on how you can become the CEO of your well-being and why to prioritize that because it will pay dividends, not just in terms of feeling great, but performing great. So you'll learn one, how to nourish your inner coach while silencing your inner critic. Two, the ACE method to combat stress. And three, an easy trick to get more out of your energy. So if you want to see the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, please drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep687. And if you're at awesome at your job.com, check out some of our cool stuff, such as the gold nugget email summaries, which give you a nice email you can read in about two minutes summarizing Naz's wisdom and every guest to come after her and all the guests before her too. We got the vault of access to all that stuff gets unlocked when you sign up for the gold nuggets. So 687 summaries of episodes, pretty cool. That's the gold nuggets over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Naz's story. Naz Maheshti is the author of Pause, Breathe, Choose, Become the CEO of Your Wellbeing. She's executive wellness coach, speaker, Forbes contributor, CEO, and founder of Prana Naz a corporate wellness company improving leadership effectiveness, employee well-being and engagement, and company culture. Her clients include Nike, Morgan Chase, Scadden, and a whole lot more. Her work has been widely featured in media, including CNBC, Forbes, Yahoo, Fast Companies, and others. She also co-founded Rise to Shine, a nonprofit helping to alleviate the suffering of young children in Haiti. Visit her online at nazbaheshti.com. Now, here's Naz. Naz, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
2: Thank you for having me, Pete.
1: Well, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. And and I'd love to start by talking about Steve Jobs, your first boss and mentor. Can you tell us a bit about how he's shaped your views on work and life?
2: Steve was my first boss and mentor. So he had a highly influential role in my life right out out of college at the young age of 21. He influenced my the most profound lesson that I had learned. And it was through him, which is well-being drives success. And at that age and at that time, that wasn't at the forefront by any means. But through example, he really led a Holistic approach to well-being, and that well-being is what drove his success. So I really learned the most profound lesson from him. So it was really influential and impactful for me to have cross paths with Steve.
1: That's cool. And, and, and while we're reminiscing a bit, any particular memories, anecdotes, things that were strikingly pleasant or unpleasant yet helpful in, as you think about your time with Steve?
2: Well, I remember the time when I was working for him and I discovered that my version of healthy was Steve's version of garbage, quite literally. And I shared this in my book. One day I thought I would surprise him with an oatmeal raisin cookie as a healthy option for dessert. And later that day, I noticed the entire cookie, not a bite taken out, but the entire cookie in his trash can. Mm -hmm. So that was the first red flag that I actually wasn't as healthy as I thought. And that my version of healthy was quite literally Steve's version of garbage.
1: Did you discuss it at all?
2: No, I was quite (laughs) embarrassed actually. And I just made a mental note never to give him a oatmeal raisin cookie ever again. He was extremely health conscious and that healthy version of that cookie was just, I guess, too much sugar and not so healthy for him.
1: You know, it also makes me think about is is just how decisive that is in terms of like this cookie is going directly to the garbage. Exactly. I'm not going to think about it. No need to take a bite out of it. Sometimes I I feel that way about like I get gifts that I don't want. Mm-hmm. So apologies, to any family or friends who are listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's like I I almost feel sort of like obligated to like. Not get rid of it immediately. It's like, well, you know, that was nice of them to think about it. But there are times it's really—I I know that this has no place in my life or my home. The proper decision would be to remove it immediately via donation or or whatever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Eddie did it. Yep.
1: Cool. Well, let's talk about your your book. Pause. Breathe. Choose. Uh, this is a great message. I, I'm intrigued. And so, what is the the core? idea or thesis here within a pause, breathe, choose?
2: Well, the key to thriving in today's high pressure culture is to cultivate deep self-awareness and strong emotional intelligence, which really facilitates making mindful choices that transform your life. So one conscious choice begets another. So Pause, Breathe, Choose is a roadmap for authentic self-discovery, better choices, and purposeful growth.
1: Okay. Well, so tell us, how do we go about doing some of that good stuff?
2: It's a holistic approach to well-being, and the MAP method is really uh, a holistic approach to living your best life. So I'll start with the MAP being an acronym for M, M is for master mindfulness. And really, mastering mindfulness is fundamental to the method because when you're more mindful, you're able to make better choices. That leads you to the A, which is applying better choices to manage stress and build resilience and the seven A's. And then the P is for promoting yourself to the CEO of your well being and the three P's. So when you combine those three parts of the MAP method and implement them, you're really going to be thriving in all aspects of your life.
1: Okay. Well, so let's talk about mastering mindfulness. I guess maybe first, can you define mindfulness? How do you know if you, if you got it, if you don't, and how do you get more of it?
2: Yeah. So mindfulness really in, in a nutshell is presence of heart. It's really about awakening your mind and your heart from autopilot. And that enables you to experience life unfolding in the present moment. So the mindfulness unlocks your ability to tap into your intuition and creativity so that you can receive new information and develop new perspectives with a beginner's mind. And that's really what mindfulness is all about.
1: All right. So that sounds great. If I want to do that, where should I start?
2: I always say to start small. So start with two minutes of a seated meditation, which there's so many different types of meditations out there. And I would say, you know, experiment with the different types, maybe start with an app like Calm or Headspace. But also if you don't want to do that, an alternative would be to just sit quietly and focus on your breath and just allow whatever thoughts that come and go to just do that exactly, come and go, just like acknowledge them. And without any judgment, without labeling them, without any like continued thought about it, just acknowledging that thought and then releasing it and then coming back to your breath. So in my sessions with my clients, we always start with a two-minute guided meditation and I guide them through this process. And one of the visualizations I use that's really helpful for my clients is that we get in a comfortable seated position and then I ask them to you know, take a few deep breaths, inhale, exhale, and then imagine a balloon in the sky putting any of those thoughts or any sounds that may disrupt the pattern of the breath into the balloon and then just allowing it to float away. So the point is to acknowledge your thoughts and put them into that balloon and let them go and then return back to your breath. So acknowledge, let go, return. And the focus will be on your breath. So just even that tiny visualization of the balloon could help because so many people think, oh, I can't meditate. I think too much. I can't sit still for that long, you know? So starting small and having a visualization of that balloon or whatever it is that works for you to actually contain those thoughts and like allow them to let them go and just float away and come back to your breath.
1: Okay. So now, when one does this with regularity what is the the difference it makes i guess in terms of of mental ability capacity if you think about it as an exercise like if i'm strengthening you know biceps with a bicep curl mm-hmm. if i if i'm strengthening my my mind by using this sort of approach what is that mean for me practically speaking
2: well it really it's Mindfulness can literally reshape and rewire the brain through neuroplasticity in which new habits reorganize or rewire neural connections. So a consistent meditation practice pretty much gives us the opportunity to be proactive in changing our brain and increasing our well-being and quality of life. And there's research that supports that as well. And In terms of your health, your creativity, decision-making, being less reactive, these are all like many ways that mindfulness can help. A consistent practice of mindfulness is key, not just practicing once a week or twice a week, but daily or at least six days a week is key.
1: Could you give us some examples in terms of perhaps it's the decision-making and and the reactivity, like what would life and your brain look and feel and sound like pre-meditation practice versus post-meditation practice if it's doing its job? Like, how do we know it's working?
2: Well, I can give you the example of myself which was more reactive back, you know, years ago. I started meditation back in 2010 and prior to that, I was doing a bunch of yoga, daily yoga. So that really helped, but before that, I tended to be I'm very type A and on the go and, you know, perfectionist and very fast paced life. And I was very reactive when I was younger. And so when someone would, you know, I had very little patience. So if someone wasn't doing their job or doing what they said they were going to do, I would be more irritable and reactive and kind of tell them what I thought rather than, taking a breath and like just pausing and responding in a more compassionate way rather than reacting with a negative tone or with negative words, you know, and not understanding and having compassion for that person. I'm much less reactive and more compassionate just in general.
1: Okay. So, so reactive might sound like, hey, hey, you idiot. Why did you screw that up again? <laughs> and then the the post meditative response could be like, Hey, I noticed this, you know, what's going on.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. Or I'm just curious, uh, how this outcome turned out this way, or, you know, I'm curious or yes. Or could you please explain rather than I can't believe you did this or, you know, that's shocking or, you know, something like that. Yes. So it's definitely uh, helped in that respect. As far as decision making, meditation brings extreme clarity, right? So when you are able to quiet the chatter of the mind and kind of like I was saying earlier, my, my definition of mindfulness is aligning your mind with your heart. So a lot of us work, operate and speak and think only from the mind without that connection to the heart. So we are able to quiet our mind and go deeper into our authentic self. So the reason that, you know, mastering mindfulness really is about discovering your authentic self because you're quieting all the chatter of the mind and the external stuff that's just really loud and keeps echoing in in your mind. It's not necessarily your true essence, your true self, because it's it's too loud to get deeper to who you truly are, but mindfulness and meditation quiets that and then allows you to uh, tap into your truest desire your your authentic self and so then that also brings a lot of clarity and then you're able to make decisions with confidence and you're into you're very tapped into your to your gut, your intuition, whatever you want to call it and so decision making become stronger and just faster and better and with more confidence.
1: All right. Well, so then let's talk about, you talk about your true self and, and essence and such, and you've got some terms, the inner coach and the inner critic. Can you expand upon these and, and tell us to have some more good inner coach conversations and fewer, not so great inner critic conversations?
2: Right. So like two dogs inside you competing for attention you have an inner coach, the good dog, and an inner critic, the bad dog. The inner coach represents positivity and you stress, the good stress, and a growth mindset, while the inner critic represents negativity, distress, and limiting beliefs. And what's crucial is it's crucial to remember that the dog you feed determines the kind of life you lead. When we choose to feed the good dog and view the world through the eyes of the inner coach we feel more in control of our life and we tend to view challenges as opportunities not threats so we essentially harness the positive energy of acute stress and use stress and can avoid chronic stress and then then we eventually see ourselves as continually evolving and focus on improving ourselves when we are in tuned with that inner coach more. And it all stems from mindfulness, right? So if we're not mindful, we might just, the inner critic, the bad dog might be barking and telling us like, you know, you suck, you did that wrong, you're going to blow this. And we just, that's the default voice that we hear in our head. If we're not mindful to catch that and be like, oh, that's the bad dog, that's the inner critic. I'm going to stop feeding that dog and awaken the inner coach and start listening to the inner coach, which is coaching you through it and saying, you know, not, not focusing on the bad, but saying you'll learn from whatever you did last time and not do it again. Next time you've got this, you're awesome. What lesson could you learn from this for many, you know, negative experience that happened? And it's really talking to you with a growth mindset rather than through like limiting beliefs, which is the inner critic.
1: Mm -hmm. So mindfulness enables you to sort of see it and catch it in the moment and and make a shift. Yes. And any other pro tips for identifying and and catching yourself as it happens or any sort of telltale signs like, oh, wait a second, I'm doing that thing again. I'm going to Mm -hmm. choose to not do that.
2: Well, so when you find yourself kind of spiraling or ruminating and you're just kind of stuck with the same kind of negative thought pattern and you just keep replaying something that happened at work or a conversation you had that wasn't very positive, or maybe you had like a great meeting and then one negative thing happened. Maybe you said something wrong, like you, you know, identified Something that wasn't accurate or, you know, like you're giving a presentation and you said the wrong numbers um, by mistake and then but everything else went really well. But then your inner your inner critic is going to only focus on that one part that was like, you know, five seconds versus the the rest of the hour that went really well and you're going to just continue to ruminate over that. So then you start realizing, you, you start feeling bad, right? And so just checking in with how you're feeling and what you're thinking. So I have these, um, one one of the things I do throughout the day is um, I, I do uh, mindful self check-ins, what I call mindful self check-in which really is just asking myself, um, rapid fire questions throughout the day. And this could help catch you when you're ruminating or stressed or, you know, spending too much time in one area and you just ask yourself, you know, how am I feeling? What am I thinking? Um, am I breathing? Am I thirsty? And just like check in with yourself and just rapid fire questions and address however you're feeling in that time. And that will um, give you an opportunity to shift and shift out of that negative state.
1: All right, cool. Thank you. And you've got an approach to reframe stress. How do we make stress our friend?
2: Yes, that's uh, the ACE method. It's The new way of reframing stress, which is very effective to upgrade both your mindset and your behavior. So the ability to distinguish between different kinds of stress being acute, chronic, and eustress also stands for ACE allows you to perceive stress as a challenge rather than an obstacle. So once you understand the type of stress you're facing, then you can identify the actual stressors and their source and take empowered action. So it's a three-step process. You can ACE stress using the three-step ACE method through... Awareness, change, and empowerment. So, one is be aware of the signs and symptoms of the stressor and identify the type, as I mentioned, and the source of stress. Step two would be to change your mindset. Choose to reframe the stress using an upgraded mindset so that you can identify your options or opportunities, both in mindset and behavior. And then, lastly, step three is to take empowered and effective action. And sometimes that's just It's just about shifting your mindset, right? It's about choosing to shift your mindset. If you can't actually change the situation or the circumstance, I mean, there's just some things that are out of our control that we cannot change, but we can always change our mindset around it.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, could you walk us through an example of there's a stressor and then the, the shift in mindset and the impact that makes?
2: Right. So... I share a story in the book about how I was on my way to one of my clients to teach a stress management workshop, (laughs) and I was so stressed. I found myself so stressed on my way to teach a stress management workshop, but I applied my own methods in route to this um, workshop that I was doing. What happened was that uh, the subway system I was in New York City and the subways were really delayed. And then they skipped the stop that I was supposed to get off of, and it wasn't an express train. So I didn't understand. It was very uh, surprising and wasn't accounted for in the time that I <laughs> needed to get there. So I found myself very late and I was really stressing out. And while I was stressing out in the subway, as it flew by my stop, I decided that there was nothing I could do. I was literally stuck in the subway. I couldn't jump out. I couldn't change the time and go back in time. And I I just accepted that I was going to be late to my workshop that I was teaching. So what I did was I shifted my mindset by actually sitting quietly. I closed my eyes and I use a pause, breathe, choose method. And I literally took a pause, closed my eyes, focused on my breath, and just continued breathing. And I did a little mini meditation in the subway until the next stop. And that really calmed me down. And I was able to shift that stressor to really understand that, again, there's some things out of my control it wasn't my control earlier i can't go back i can't redo that so i can only show up as my best self so i was preparing myself to show up grounded calm not frazzled and so i just applied the pause breathe shoes and i did that in the in the subway and i actually showed up after some time and i made a joke out of it like i found myself really stressed out here i am teaching stress management And, but the pause, breathe, choose method did work and it can work for anyone at any time, you know, and it's there with you. You always have your breath. It's there. It's just about being conscious about it and choosing to be mindful to know I'm going to take a pause right now and I'm going to breathe consciously and then I'm going to choose how I want to move forward. And I chose to move forward with acceptance of the situation. I chose to move forward with peace and... Just to make the best of the situation,
1: and in terms of sort of the the effective choice behavior piece of things with the ace, I imagine within that realm there's light of the day hey, I'm going to be late, and so they they've got that heads up, and i found found my own experience of being late like. That makes all the difference. Is it just like, cause I just I keep stewing over. Oh my gosh, it'd be late. They'd be like, what's up with this guy? He's so unprofessional. This is you
2: know? <laughs> right.
1: And then I just sort of changed the expectations. Like, Hey guys, unfortunately this is what's up. You know, got caught in a bunch of snow, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then they're like, right. Okay. And now they know, and I'm not worried about how I, I'm about to, it's like, I'm going to disappoint them. I'm going to disappoint them. I'm in the process of disappointment. They're going to be furtherly disappointed that I thought they were going to be on a minute ago based on, on this delay Versus like, oh, well, now there's a new expectation set. So we're all good.
2: Right. And I, of course, immediately when I had reception, texted them and let them know that I'm running late. But yeah, that inner critic could be like, gosh, you know, you're so unprofessional. You're late. You're going to be stressed at your own stress management workshop. You should have left earlier. This is your fault. And then it started pouring rain out of nowhere and I didn't have an umbrella. So not only was I late, I was drenched when I showed up. So. You know, I had to regroup in the elevator. I just had a couple floors to regroup and I did. I, I made it work and I always remember that. And now I, I try not to be late, but it's not even about that. It's about when you do find yourself in that situation because no one's perfect and it may not be about being late. It might be something else. You have the tools. When you have the tools and you're mindful to use those tools, then you could show up as your best self, not frazzled or, you know, upset.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'm also curious to get your take about some energy management. What are your top tips for experiencing a boatload of energy?
2: Okay. So I would say that, first of all, getting seven to nine hours of sleep, average of eight hours of sleep a night, it does wonders. I mean, just sleep is the way to reboot your mind, body, and creativity. So sleep is essential, but also finding your energy sweet spot. So everyone has their own energy sweet spot, and that is When you feel most energized. Some people feel most energized in the morning, some in the afternoon, some in the evening. So, learning or maybe already know when that is. And if not, just kind of take note throughout the day when you feel most energized. Sometimes there's peaks and valleys of your energy, but when you are most energized, that's when I always encourage listeners, people, my clients to do their tasks that they are least desirable for them, right? Or the things that they procrastinate the most, do it when they're most energized because then procrastination is limited because when you're not energized and you still have a bunch of things to do especially if you don't there are things you don't want to do you're going to push them out and have more reason to procrastinate because you're just tired so finding your energy sweet spot and doing those things during that time is really beneficial to being productive
1: okay anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things
2: well i would say that my book offers over 80 proven tools and strategies to improve yourself and your workplace to achieve a sustainable success. So I highly encourage listeners to check it out so that you can become the CEO of your well-being and be awesome at your job.
1: All right. And could you share a favorite quote, it's something you find inspiring?
2: My favorite quote is live well, laugh often, love much.
1: Okay. And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
2: My favorite study is a study that shows how critical connection to others are, our relationships, how critical it is to our health. So the world's uh, longest longitudinal study on happiness began in 1938, and it's still running strong, which I find fascinating. It's um, done by Robert J. Waldinger, psychiatrist and Harvard professor. And he sums up this, like the biggest lessons in his popular TED talk by saying, good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. And loneliness is toxic. And I just find that really so true. Mm -hmm. And a favorite book? The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, which was also published by New World Library.
1: And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job?
2: I would have to say my PBC method, my Pause, Breathe, Choose. It's a powerful method for translating mindfulness into action and really taking ownership of your well-being so that you could be present and make better choices.
1: Okay. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect with your audience? They retweet it. They quote it back to you frequently.
2: Yeah. Especially since my books come out, I get a lot of retweets for we prioritize doing well over being well. But the truth is we can have both success and well-being.
1: All right. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them?
2: My website, my corporate website for my corporate wellness company, PranaNaz.com, or you can learn more about me and my book at NazBaheshti.com. I'm also on all social media as NazBaheshti or I think Facebook, it's NazBaheshti Speaker, but everywhere else it's NazBaheshti.
1: All right. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: I would say to all the listeners, commit to your self-care and well-being as a non-negotiable. So you have the power and the choice to be the CEO of your well-being and take charge of all areas of your life so that you can truly live your best life.
1: All right. Nas, this has been a treat. I wish you much luck with your pausing, breathing and choosing.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here.
1: You know, I'm such a fan of Das's tip there about noting your energy, first getting the sleep that you need, of course, but then noting your energy levels and seeing when is the peak and then being mindful about that. Maybe you want to do the toughest tasks, that which you sort of dread or procrastinate the most because you have your full wits about you to focus in and, and do them. Or maybe it's something that you know has a high level of, I don't know what the word is for this, but more effort yields more results in certain things and other things it it doesn't really matter so much (laughs) like it's just a process administrative thing you got to check the box but other things it's like no i will like write much better if i'm in a peak energy state or i will have a much better conversation that really is critical and needs to happen or or sales or whatever in that state and uh, extra bonus shout out to our sponsor abrise that app that has really helped me a lot in terms of seeing where are my energy peaks? Where are my energy dips? And how might I strategically schedule with it? RiseScience.com slash awesome is that. They've got seven free days, so you can learn a ton before you pay them anything. And I've just been loving it. So huge thanks to Naz for her wisdom. And please remember, if you want the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced, it's at AwesomeAtYourJob.com slash EP687. Hope to catch you next time and peace.